the, um, a trailer to a trailer. Yeah, those are yeah, becoming fairly common within. That's that's the world we live in now, where you get trailers for trailers like weeks in advance now. Well, to be honest, yeah, Dune's the type of movie that I actually expect this to actually be a little more reasonable than, say, your run-of-the-mill movie because this thing has the potential to be. Who? I don't it definitely know. Definitely has a lot of potential. To be like the next big something, you know? Yeah, the next thing I get, you know, Crazy next over. super, super merchandisable. Is that even yeah. a word? It, <laughs> no. It is now. It, it's going to be used now. Sorry. But yes, the, exactly. Super, super marketable franchise. Um, big names, very popular, very prominent story within pop culture even. Um, like I've never even read the books, but like everyone who's my dad's age or, or even your dad's age is who's like familiar with anything to do with sci-fi. The target audience would know about Dune. So like Dune is yeah. Dune is the franchise to go after at this point. Would they say from what I've heard, they say it's almost like the adult Star Wars, almost oriented in that kind of way. So that excites me. With yeah, the Star Wars ending. It's very um. I don't. I heard it's it's quite mature. It's not necessarily a um a serial story that star wars will be so it's not going to have that impact but in terms of impact it's on huge culture, it, oh, it could yeah, have no. it could it could have um i want to say the same prominence as something like lord of the rings sure yeah i've heard it's a huge story though like to adapt and and there's been adaptations before there's the david lynch dune movie from uh i think i want to say the 80s might be wrong there i don't know but from from a while ago and and that was uh, not remembered in the greatest light. I don't think it was definitely like had some wacky ideas and and like just stylistically was out there as well. Um, but I think this dude sorry, adaptation... I might be having technical difficulties. Oh shit, what's um, wrong? I can hear you. Yeah, what oh, happened? Okay, I don't know. My uh... I'm at a new place now, so I don't know if the Wi-Fi yeah. is is that great. Um, That's fair. That we're no Waterloo Wi-Fi is notoriously not the best. Yeah. Anyways, holy fuck! You probably had something. I don't know how long you were talking. I guess I'll find out <laughs> post production. No, I was just I was like, hello, what happened? No, uh, I wasn't talking through it, but I forget what I was saying. I think I was saying something about like the the new adaptation, like how how that compared to the old one. Well, we don't know because it hasn't come out yet, but it definitely looks more serious i think less, as far as less i know wacky. They'll, they'll also have less to cover because they're not covering the entire book this time around i think they're splitting it they're, they would be splitting the book into a potential sequel uh like the first, this movie's going to cover just maybe half of the book something like that half the first book i think the second one's going to cover the second half and the third one's going to cover all of the second book or whatever yeah something that's cool it, that that's cool that they're like at least planning out a trilogy or at least you know because if it's a big story don't cram it down into one you know potentially weak story and maybe make it into a not a series but maybe make it into a a french franchise seems weird but yeah you know make it oh. make it a longer lasting story it'll be nice to have a planned out trilogy for once yeah that's where i was getting at that was basically a, a, a good change of pace would be that would be that and 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 we're being taken care of i think well like the filmmaker behind it is denis villeneuve who is um I think one of those filmmakers kind of in the caliber of like Christopher Nolan 
you know, who's like potential. I I, I know he did um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, which I still haven't watched. Um, oh, I really come should. on, Cheney. I really come should. Um, I don't know if episode. he's I don't know if he's done anything of any prominence other than that. Um, nothing as big as that. That was his, I guess, big uh, franchise shoes that he stepped into. But he do, he's he's a you know he's a good old Canadian filmmaker, good old Canadian boy from Quebec. So he's made some Canadian films actually that have uh, kind of been like low key bangers out here. One of those is um, Incendies. It's a uh, it's a based in Quebec. It's a French film, French Canadian film. Um, and then there's Prisoners, which is set in Toronto, which is cool. Um, have you seen that with Jake Gyllenhaal? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. I'll send you a, a list of like some films of his to watch. Actually, I'll, I'll just spitball them out here too. So there's Prisoners, um, which is like, uh, it's, uh, wait, am I getting the Hugh Jackman one here? Yeah, Prisoners is actually, it's not set in Toronto, but it's a detective story um, with Hugh Jackman in it and, and Jake Gyllenhaal and um, kind of a fucked up detective story where... Um, Hugh Jackman's kid goes missing, gets kidnapped, and they gotta they gotta by any means necessary try and find the kid. Uh, so it's kind of a good thriller, and and that's his wheelhouse. It's kind of like thrillers, more dark movies. So yeah, interesting to see where where he takes Dune. But I've heard he's a big fan of the the series. That's one of his like ten pole kind of uh, building block stories, I guess. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, you've been um, getting into anything this week at all? Uh, I watched Tenant for the fourth time in a week. Yeah, you just got back from that, right? I just got back from that, yeah. I, I told you a couple of days ago um, in preparation for this recording that I watched it for a third time in 70mm IMAX, and then just today I watched it again for a fourth time. Um, but yeah, so that it's been a crazy week to, trying, to, trying to absorb this crazy fucking story. Yeah, digest that all. Yeah, pretty much. It's a big uh, cake. Well, yeah, no kidding. It's um, as far as layers go, I'd say it's a wedding-sized cake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's tiered like that. It's, but it's different. Like you also asked me, it's are you getting like much out of it at this point? And and my family just asked me the same thing. Like, oh, do do you understand the movie better? And I think it's almost beyond the point of how much I can understand at this point. It's like after the second or third viewing i think it's just at pure entertainment at this point i'm watching it it's it's just really uh cool to see the action in that movie and just knowing like it was all filmed practically and and just trying to figure it out on that level which is it, it hurts my brain trying to do uh but i think on this viewing i paid more attention to the visual filmmaking for sure rather than just like the dialogue and stuff like that yeah it oh, he's it must blow your mind, especially someone who, like you, who's who's taken film courses and understands the amount of work that goes into each shot, like how much planning Chris Nolan mm-hmm. would have to do for these things. And it must, like, to have that insight must be both a blessing and a curse at this point because it must, like, kind of take you out of the movie at some points where you're just like, okay, how the fuck did he do that? It for sure does. And, and that made the first shooting a little hard because I wanted to think about it in that way like the left side right side brain is is acting you know against each other in that kind of way like the filmmaking side of me wants to break it down and and explore how technically this was all done but then this the you know the audience side of me that 
is just like no you just gotta shut your brain off and try and uh watch the movie but you know with a christopher nolan movie you can't really shut your brain off that's a hard ask um but yeah it's 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 a blessing and a curse is a good way to put it because i think for you also it's the same way you're trying to like analyze the movie when you were watching Tenet, were you going in it thinking like I'm not going to analyze in this first viewing? I'll just give it a shot with what he's trying to tell me. Or were you immediately trying to break it down to yourself? I don't think I went in trying to do anything. I kind of just have that. Um, well, that's just the way my brain works. I'm a super analytical, very quantitative type of guy. So yeah. to go in and um, obviously, I'm when it comes to storytelling. I'm. I think I've said this many times before but i'm mostly interested in characters and i and i like um identifying certain tropes or or certain um common mythos that would revolve around the characters and then therefore the story so yeah um i did a lot of that which left me kind of disappointed as we as we talked about how the characters other than cat maybe and um possibly neil with more insight um the characters were lackluster for the most part. Um, yeah, there wasn't really a human story in there. There's, there's there's less of a human story revolving around the protagonist and and yeah. other aspects of the film. It was mostly um, a spectacle type of film, which is which is fine. Like I, I have no problem with like the blockbuster type movie returning, uh, but um, yeah, um, it, it's hard for me. It's really hard no, for me. That's, especially, a, that's a super valid criticism, I think. Yeah. Especially um, for me, like, once I get interested in something, I can spend weeks nonstop on it, and I kind of mm. just drop it. So, you know, with, with regards to character development and character progress and how to write characters, and I've seen lectures and I've seen all this shit, and it's just like it's so hard to not go to a movie now and just immediately start analyzing yeah. on on who does what what's their role what, what's the common trope that's being used here that um how are how well are they using that trope and um yeah it, it was hard um but again overall like just an incredible theater experience and you know you keep going back that just kind of proves it yeah I, I mean at this point uh i hope blockbusters continue to kind of deliver like this like you said it perfectly this is a blockbuster uh, tenant like it's 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 kind of, those kind of these kind of movies have been replaced now by like you know avengers and big cgi heavy movies but like i really hope this is kind of the turn back to the good old action summer blockbuster that you know that even after watching this it's not like oh i just watched a transformers movie and i shut my brain off and i don't need to think about it like this is the opposite of that this is something that I've been talking to you about constantly. I've been talking to a lot of my friends about it and trying to get more people to watch it. And that's, I think the beauty in it is like trying to figure it out after like talking to your friends about it in that kind of way. And like, you know, the, the film kind of carries it on its own life like that. Well, um, mostly it's like a, it's a quality blockbuster. It's a um, quality blockbuster. Yes. yes. I, I saw um, a chart one time and it's like, um, amount of money at the box office versus Oscar nominations. And within like the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, the amount of like Oscar nominated films that made bucket loads of money during the summer as summer blockbusters was way up. 
compared to like it started swinging around in the 2000s where you know they started making oscar bait movies it seemed like right. where um they weren't really blockbusters they're just movies designed to win oscars and it was so weird to see that the mo- the most popular movies aren't of quality anymore it seems no but it it becomes tailor made for that whether it's for the oscars or whether it's meant to be a summer season movie right like it's now now movies are designed like from like the fundamental level of where what it's trying to be you know like when star wars came out or when jaws came out like they weren't trying to be the biggest summer movie like i don't even think that really existed back then like those movies created that that season or like how people think of it you know but first and foremost i think that's what what they were were just quality entertaining blockbuster films and and that set the wave of like oh we can design everything around uh the you know like the time people even want to watch these movies and the time awards are and yeah it's it's weird like now with this movie it's kind of like bringing it back to a like a mesh like i don't know if this is going to get nominated for a best picture because like how those are even decided now or it's kind of like 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 you said there, there's oscar Beatty movies and it's almost like just those are what get nominated but it's it's definitely not a transformers movie it's definitely a movie that had a lot of care and attention given to it which is yeah. like honestly it's something you can't really say for a lot of movies nowadays no it's it's weird it's it's they they just you know it's like there's some sort of surgeon in hollywood that's sort of cutting up and dividing out these types of movies into each category and certain ones get certain budgets and the other ones get the other budgets it's like no it's like you don't need to do that like i mean yeah, yeah chris nolan is an incredible director and of course they're gonna you know he's proven it before that his movies can make a lot of money and you know they have no problem giving him the resources to make a blockbuster but it's like a, eventually people are gonna have to start taking some more chances and yeah I, I but really now do think- yeah now that almost depends on who's making the movie like no people are less willing to just hand out 200 million dollars to anybody and say oh you have an original idea go for it you know it almost has to be like there has to be more reassurance from the people producing it at that point like this is a pretty unique spot where like because he's christopher nolan because his name is gonna put people's butts in the seats anyways uh and his movies have that caliber of like interest you know but it won't just be anybody that gets 200 million dollars to make a sci-fi movie uh which is sad like you know it, I, somebody said it like it, it's amazing to see original an original sci-fi movie being the biggest movie of the year you know that's that's also a rare thing and i'm sure you can agree to that absolutely um but you know it is a rarity so i think i'm gonna just try to treasure it at this point yeah how about you though what have you been what have you been engaging with this week i found myself on youtube a lot looking up or they just sort of pop up in my recommended thanks YouTube algorithm. Um, a bunch of like old clips of the Justice League cartoon I watched as a kid and then I'd get Batman animated clips and then I'd get Batman Beyond clips and I kept watching the Batman Beyond clips and I said, well, fuck it. Like why don't I just watch the series? So I'm on like season two, episode one already. Um, hey, yeah. where are you watching it? Where are you watching it on? YouTube? Uh, legal means, of course chorus yes i'll send you the, the link to the website um okay it's um it's uh just a super digestible series i guess 
Um, very, I don't think I ever watched that as a kid, like through and through. I definitely am aware of Batman Beyond, but I don't think I'm. I've like digested the story. Um, it's more. What is um, it? Explain the story again. Like what? What's this? Like I'm. I know what the setting is, but just like people who don't know how different of a Batman story this is. So it starts off with Bruce Wayne, um, old old Bruce Wayne, um, carrying out a sort of regular Batman mission, like rescuing a, a damsel in distress who's being held ransom. Um, and while he's out there, he suffers a heart attack and he has to use a gun to stave off a villain. And after that, he swears off being Batman again. Um, and now it cuts to, I think, 20 to 25 years down the line. We're in the you know, late 20th century-ish, 21st century, um, where Bruce Wayne is still alive, um, but, you know, power and corruption has still sort of run amok through Gotham and through um, some sort of means of fate. Um, he runs into a kid named Terry McGinnis, whose father was, um, got hold of some information about some corruption within a company. Um and ends up getting killed where Terry then tries to um, get Batman to help because he finds out that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Batman won't help. There's something, you know, there's some deep psychological issues still persisting within Bruce, but Terry takes on the Batsuit, um, gets the job done, and then sort of, Bruce sort of takes him under the wing and realizes, you know, the city still needs Batman, and if I can't be Batman, at least I can help this kid be Batman. So, um it's um i like to think of the batman beyond as like he's not batman like he is but it's more of a not not a traditional batman in a way because right. it's more mixed with um a spider-man type character where right um terry has to juggle being a high school student and being batman so it, almost it, like a miles morales like he has to live up to the legacy of like he's aware of the batman figure he has to live up to that without being him directly not really that's never really touched upon like yeah he has to deal mm. with some legacy villains um so he has to deal with mr freeze in one episode and he has to deal with venom which is that drug that bane created um mm. in another episode so he has to deal with the legacy of batman but he's never in the shadow of batman it's oh, never I really see. it's never really brought up it's kind of like oh batman's back i see um so he's just he's just like he becomes batman he's like oh i i know what i'm doing now like he, he's well the suit easily... the suit itself is like an exoskeleton so it's like right that's true too he it's it's uh set in the future this is like a sci-fi batman almost oh no like you have like super Straight sci-fi up. super sci-fi like yeah yeah um to the point of like his sort of um enclave of villains is way more based around either technology yeah basically all technology that they're either freaks from a science experiment or um they use technology in some sort of way a lot like again a long you know a lot like spider-man whereas batman villains are mostly like mobsters or they dealt with things in a psychological sense um batman beyond's villains are all like super powered junkies or yeah, so it's 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 crazy, and it's um you can tell like they started to 
really want to build up that villain base for him. And, you know, they'll, they'll do villain of the week stuff, but um, some villains that were obviously seen as popular were brought back for future episodes. So, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's super episodic as in like, you'll have like one-off adventures and then you'll have certain episodes that continue the main storyline, which is um, Batman beyond um, trying to take down or deal with a businessman named Derek Powers who sort of absorbed the Wayne company. So now it's Wayne Powers Mm. Um, and who also sides as a radioactive villain named Blight who's super cool. Um, super cool design. Um, I'll have to show you after, but like, yeah. So I don't know. It, it just, um, I just said, fuck it. Let me watch it. If I'm going to watch all these clips, let me, let me just, you know, watch the episodes in full. Yeah. I really wish there was like a Disney plus for the old DC animated shows and movies where you can just find everything like that needs to be. What about that DC? There's not there a DC centric streaming service there there's hbo max i don't know if that's like what the there was a dc streaming service but i think that got canned because there's like too many now like yeah i you know. do think it got canned so uh, yeah but as you're saying like the style of the batman beyond series is it's so iconic like you know what it is without even having to watch it yeah it's um super stylistic it's 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 that weird um i want to say ridley scott type of sci-fi where it's like the it's it's old but new technology yeah yeah i think like that's an interesting comparison because ridley scott made blade runner and i think once he visualized that cyberpunk aesthetic then it just exploded from there and everybody kind of took pieces of it and yeah i could see i i i see it almost like putting batman in that kind of a world where like the corruption of Gotham City has taken to like a next level with like technology and you know I I definitely want to get into it and see like how how they how how that is like how how the whole Gotham mythology becomes evolved and like the Batman mythology becomes evolved. Yeah, it's it's still tried and true Gotham where yeah it's just corruption and crime have sort of taken over again and the only sort of um, antidote to that chaos would be. To have, a, to have a Batman running around, so yeah, I think people don't realize how integral Gotham City is, like as not just as a location and setting, but like almost as a character in the Batman stories. Like, I, I love how it, the you know with the Matt Reeves Batman movie coming out, uh, he's also producing a Gotham show to like expand the world of that Batman and and get like that Gotham show is gonna take place in the year one story basically. Uh, so like you know you're you're, you're seeing it now where. Gotham is really getting explored and it's getting that kind of psychological exploration that that the characters have gone over the years which is cool so yeah what, what else is what else is kind of like different about this Gotham City Ooh, well no nah, not too much I mean oh there's or like um, who's is there like is there um a big crime boss, like how there's the Carmine Falcone of, of the original one. Yeah, that'd be Derek Something Powers, like who's the new CEO right. of okay. Wayne Powers. He's like he serves as the main antagonist for yeah most okay. of the show. It seems. Um, there's also like little other factions running around. There's um, there's a there's a gang called the Jokers, mm. who are inspired by the Joker's actions. 
Yeah. And, um, well, they're kind of like nothing villains. They're kind of like sort of prominent in the beginning, but they're, they're sort of played off as jokes, but they do become more integral to the story. I know later on, um, as a setup for the movie. Have you ever watched the movie? No. The beyond? No. Batman beyond return of the Joker. No. Oh my God, dude. Like I want to, I want to say it's my second favorite Batman animated movie behind the dark Knight returns. That's high praise. Damn. It's really good. Mark Hamill returns for the voice. So, Oh shit. Say less. Like, holy shit. Like it's, it's fantastic. I, I honestly recommend watching it. Um, you don't even need to watch the whole series to get up to the movie. Um, yeah, no, but, I'll definitely check out the movie before I watch it then. Yeah, okay, I'll send you the movie. Um, yeah, cool. It's it's incredible. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I've been watching. Um, I also got into, continued my little Pokemon binge, and I found a thing called Pokemon Renegade Platinum. So... I played a game earlier last month called Pokemon Platinum, which is my favorite. Um, it's the one I played growing up. Um, sort of the director's cut of Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. It's just the, a redo of the same region, but like with revised, um, just a little more time to sit and cook in the oven. And this one, this is, um, this is a hack. So it completely revamps the entire game. Um, Hold on, I got a burp, maybe. <clears throat> Oof. Anyways. Um, what it does is it um, it adds additional content. So there's more stuff to do. Um, uh, for example, I haven't gotten there yet, but um, there's like a whole half hour added content on Victory Road, like a whole side story that needs to go down. Um there when you get to the seventh gym you have to go and find the gym leader and you know they do that for pretty much every city they update every single wild area so there's more pokemon to catch they updated the stats of every single pokemon to make everything more balanced now there's like no useless pokemon every pokemon is like has some sort of use um they updated the ai they made every single trainer battle the hardest ai and then they even updated the hard ai to be even harder so this game is extremely difficult um i made it even more difficult by doing sort of a pseudo challenge run but um by using only one type of pokemon but um it's it's crazy to have um this entire sort of side side thing exists um, yeah we're, it's we're, like just it's like another difficulty like another uh experience essentially mm -hmm. for the game totally new game basically and the same guy right. did it with um, pokemon emerald and i believe either this week or next week he's coming out with um uh updated version of soul silver so um i can't believe it's just one guy just editing and adding all this stuff it's it's pretty incredible um yeah oh gym these are how old is this game again the original game oh god i want to say the oldest fuck is this point at this point at this point yeah it'd be considered oldest fuck this is 2008 wow so 12 years old um, there you go bro just that 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 goes to show they don't even need to make new pokemon games anymore i don't think they are really focusing on that like 
the, these these games just continue like living and breathing and they're having just, a life. They're just so charming. I don't know. There's something yeah. about the new ones that doesn't really entice me. Um, they seem more corporate cash grab, whereas yeah. these ones like there's so much charm. Even looked like a, the tra- the transition to 3D was a little iffy for me because like these still use 2D sprites and the sprites are so so crazy good like um after doing some own some of my own sprite work i understand like the work that goes into these and um just how difficult it is to get these right and i can really appreciate the sprite artwork a lot more so um i've been having a lot of fun with it i'm, I'm on the home stretch now i just beat the eighth gym so um well, let's see sick. if let's see if i can't do it i'm still planning to do a nuzlocke run on something i don't know what but something But that's that's basically it for me. Well, to, before we get into our uh, our main discussion, I, this is not going to lead up to it. But have you heard about the show Doom Patrol? Heard of it? Haven't watched it. Yeah. Okay. Have you seen anything of it, like the trailer or any pictures or videos or anything like that? Absolutely zero. Okay. So this is like a show. When I first saw it and started hearing about it, like I judged it pretty heavy. Uh, it's a, another. It's a, made by DC, another superhero, ex like show esque show. Like I, it's hard to just categorize things as just superheroes, but it has really become its own genre at this point. Um, and like this came out along the same time as The Boys and Umbrella Academy. And when it came out, it just for me like got lost in the weeds of all those other shows. And I watched like Umbrella Academy and The Boys, and like we're gonna talk about season two just came out, and I I was like, yeah, these are these are the only shows I feel like I need to watch in this genre. Like everything else has just been done before. Um, but then I started, I heard more about doom patrol and like how it was just this super completely underrated and under talked about, like it was never really shown or hyped up to be uh, a kind of like quality show. It was, I think made to look sillier than, than it actually wasn't so people didn't really take it seriously but like i'm i'm really impressed by this show and like how how kind of how serious it is and like it's like the guardians of the galaxy of of superhero tv shows like it really kind of took the ball that you know like the cw superhero shows like that whole aesthetic and like that that campy teen movie kind of a vibe that those shows give off yeah so it takes that aesthetic and just like says fuck that like let's not in a way that's like oh yeah we're we're being edgy and cool but it's like being serious like treating the characters like real people like not just models or like you know whatever like magazine cover artists and shit like that like all these the characters in the show are all like not superheroes but they're all people who have gone through traumatic events and because of that have had these like abilities given to them or, or kind of the only means of their survival at this point. So there's like an Iron Man type of a character who is, who is, has to rely on a suit of armor uh, to survive essentially because he was in an accident. And there's like basically every character has gone through a tragic event and is like learning to rehabilitate back into the world, into the modern world. Um, and it's, it's all like, it's all, kind of no-name DC characters or people that you wouldn't have been aware of really. Like the most, I think, notori- notable character in the show is Cyborg, which is like 
probably my favorite character in the show, I think, right now. Um, and, like, such a stark difference from the, the Zack Snyder cyborg that you see in the movies. Like, this is the cy- like the cyborg that reminds me of the old uh, Teen Titans TV show, if you ever watched that. Like, yeah. the, the booyah, like, the fun, loud cyborg, you know. So there's, like, there's aspect of the show that it, it really has fun with the characters, but at the same time, it's super emotional like there's there's a lot of feels there's a lot of weight going on in 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 everything kind of that they're doing and i'm only on episode three right now but i feel like i've watched a full movie so it's cool that like kind of the arc of the series is taking you on a journey you know um but basically i just wanted to talk about it because it's not like a show i think i've heard get enough praise it's not it's not getting like that kind of like the boys or umbrella academy hype uh, and I think a lot of that's because people are just looking at it and thinking, oh, this looks campy or looks kind of like dumb. But if you like even just Google a picture right now and see the characters like there's I don't think really any heavy reliance on CGI or VFX or anything like that. It's everything looks practically done. And like compare the cyborg from uh, the Zack Snyder movies to how they portray cyborg in the show. And it's like it's like a fucking night and day difference, like one is completely cgi the other is uh, a proper actor with the like not prosthetics what do you call it like just like prop costume on or whatever practical costume practical costume i'll see if i can kind of find a picture to show you um but yeah it's like it's like the 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 kind of practical aesthetic that this show has uh it doesn't come off as goofy which is weird like it almost like if you feel like it should everything looks silly but it's it's uh it's not it's not coming off as a campy show that's good um it doesn't take itself too seriously is is basically the gist of it it's like it it understands the genre it's in and it takes advantage of that um it is oh yeah that's another part of it yeah so this is this show like i said it's a bit of guardians of the galaxy in that way of taking obscure characters and giving them a, a good character arc and, and really characterizing them well. So this is like also has kind of a Deadpool element of, uh, of a character breaking the fourth wall. Uh, so there's this character called Mr. Nobody who's from the DC Comics and he has this kind of reality warping power that he's the narrator to the audience who's directly narrating the events of the show but he's also his voice is also present to the character so they can hear his voice while he's breaking the fourth wall so they're like who the fuck are you talking to like and 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 it, so it's one of those kind of things where he's constantly breaking the fourth wall talking to the audience but the the primary characters are all aware of it but they're not in on that fourth wall break um so it, it it's cool it's kind of weird how it plays with that but it's interesting Oh, these are all like I didn't like these are all DC characters like this is a set of comics that is out there yeah and but it's like Guardians of the Galaxy like I don't think it's been a popular comics run the characters I think themselves have popped up um, more prominently in other places like Cyborg for sure people know from Teen Titans and the Justice League but he's also a part of the Doom Patrol right um, but I guess the whole idea of the team is like taking taking obscure characters that kind of have aren't heroes uh outright like they're not people with tragic histories and then decided like let's be spider-man or superman or batman or whatever 
these are people who are like running away from their problems but have to have to become a hero for like for the fate of the world type of a thing um but it's cool yeah like from what i've seen so far it's it's a really cool show oh sweet I might and check yeah it out. so that kind of transitions yeah that kind of transitions us into our main discussion of another superhero show that we've been watching my favorite show is, right now yeah chaney's been chaney's been and for this one um yeah let's uh let's get into talking about the boys season two yeah um first and foremost i'm glad they released the first three episodes and not two i actually found the first two episodes were a little um lackluster in my mind yeah yeah they i think they had to release all three at once like one i find it weird that they even are releasing it like this after the first season you could binge the whole thing and i put it on our Insta- on our mythic morons instagram page uh just posing a question out there to our our followers and people who are listening to us and stuff that how do you prefer to engage with tv shows nowadays from streaming services uh like do you would you rather a show comes out with all the episodes at once and you can binge them on your own time in one night in one weekend whatever or do you prefer or do you are you all right with this weekly distribution like back to the kind of like cable tv way of watching tv uh so i'm kind of and 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 so like the boys had that they they had the bingeable aspect to it of season one which i think was one of its best points we both agreed to that and and for this second season they said well let's release the first three episodes all at once and then all the other episodes on a weekly basis uh i don't know i thought that was kind of weird a weird choice i I get it's a weird choice but i think it's everything to do with marketing you know they really want to stagnate this and get the word out more so they really i I think it's because they really believe in the series so they want to like you know instead of having um for example like some youtube creators um make two videos on the ending of the boy season two they can have them make videos every single week on every single episode and you know eventually that just gets the show more exposure so i understand why they're doing it um i do still prefer the bingeable series though for sure no that makes sense almost like thinking about it like that like if the creators of movies and shows are actually going as far to think of like the youtube community like people that make response videos reaction videos or whatever and they're like that makes sense what you just said that, that, that's true i think that like there's going to be more engagement and more i think attention paid if if it has that kind of staggered release and more just conversations in general and to be honest uh, so like, yeah, that makes sense as much as i like binging i do think the weekly format is better for the viewer um in some way it helps you digest the last episode talk about it engage with it more and then mm-hmm. um Again, we're talking about it now, and it really engages the fan base on, on, you know, what's coming next, and, and yeah, you can talk. I about think it. it plays it plays in the whole episodic nature of TV, also that each episode has a beginning, middle, and end, and the anticipation of waiting for the next episode. Like you know, you're literally left on a cliffhanger, so that definitely plays into it. Like, but but then again, there's you know, we've talked about this in other episodes where we realize how TV and episode of TV is like transformed in that way, becoming more serialized and almost becoming bingeable or more 
uh, engaged with, like how 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 like they're aware of like the YouTube community afterwards. Like they're also aware that people are more willing to spend an entire weekend binging sixteen hours of Breaking Bad or whatever. Uh, so like the narr- the stories are almost being deliberately kind of told for that aspect that like a stranger things for example right uh by the end of the weekend there's all the explainer videos all the ending theories and spoilers videos by the end of the weekend that's all out there and it's kind of made for you to engage with it like that so i'm interested i guess long story short i'm interested to see how whether that affects our viewing experience for this season compared to the last season you know what i mean well if they continue with the way they ended episode three i think it'll keep me engaged um Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually the getting... ending of episode three definitely yeah made me want to watch episode four right away, which I couldn't. So good on them. So let's um, let's get into episode one. As far as I know, sure. we sort of recapped with we get a nice little dichotomy of of Starlight and Huey's um, lives and how Starlight is um, you know struggling being in the you know Starlight, um, which I actually found is pretty clever um in terms of i didn't even realize until you just said it like that yeah. right now <laughs> it's like i went over my head before her name her name is ironic because she yeah. actually hates the starlight and yet yeah way to make me feel dumb yeah um same with queen Maeve. she wants just to be a regular civilian but she can't anymore so right she, she gets treat, treated like royalty anyways and then huey is you know living where he's living which is hilarious still some tension between the group obviously after what they just went through so um i don't know it it was a good opening i thought um yeah it's interesting to see where the characters what they're doing now where they're left off uh or like what they were left off with and how they're how they're i guess continuing forward and where you see starlight is now like a full member of the seven and a full kind of corporate uh i guess employee of vaught right like she that that was kind of interesting to see how she became like really a part of the whole uh the whole facade of the 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 superhero team yeah um which you know does get brought up later as she sort of um contrasted with stormfront the newly introduced character who i'm glad i'm not supposed to like because i thought she Mm. was hopefully unlikable well you're 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 it's almost like you're led to like her in the beginning of of this first three episodes yeah but that just made me not like her you know what i mean yeah oh no that i and that plays to it i think you know like uh i think they're they're smart in how they wrote that character and how this these three episodes i think like played into her character the most because like she's the new character there's a lot of mystery around her and you're thinking almost like oh she's gonna be the one that fights or like hits back against homelander a little bit and oh yeah by the way spoilers for these episodes of the boys um but then as we learn out learn um she might be worse than homelander and i wouldn't say three episodes what's that i wouldn't say worse i'd say akin maybe worse maybe worse well this is funny because i actually looked up stormfront's actual comic origins um oh okay and yeah that's one thing with this actual show i i haven't paid any attention to the uh what it's being adapted from the comics but uh, yeah we'll go on um the character sort of meta in a way um you know throughout the first two episodes it's like or even the three episodes um 
she sort of gets pushed into the girl power forefront and how, you know, how corporations are today, especially media companies, you know, just sort of pandering to certain demographics to make them feel good or make them look good. And, um, you know, so she's in the, she's very prominent in that sort of girl power sort of thing that's going on. She's like, she's initially brought on as it seems that, uh, well, there's like a, there's obviously, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Translucent guy, translucent. Yeah. Whatever. He's dead. So they need to fill his position in the seven. And like the first guy that they kind of bring up from the, from the ranks, bottom of the ranks, uh, what's her name again? The, uh, the redhead who's now uh, like kind of in charge of the team. Oh, shit. Maggie or something. Yeah. Maggie. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So she, she, um, she sh- shows Homelander the new candidate and Homelander's like, yeah, fuck that. You're not choosing who's going to be the new part of the team. Right. Yeah. And then immediately after that, we're introduced to Stormfront. Um, so that was like that was the company kind of putting their foot down and being like, no, well, this is the image we want to show. So mm-hmm. exactly what like you're saying, like this is the show itself is being aware of that, right? Yeah, but no, because um, the the she's meta in a way that because the actual comic character is a guy. Um. Oh, that's interesting. So like, she's sort of meta commentary on the gender swapping that goes on sometimes in in roles. Yeah. On how yeah you know. Um, you know, it's rumors about the 007 um, name being passed on to a, a woman, a woman in, in right. the next film or something like that. So um, also interesting about the comic character, and it's kind of hinted at at the end there. Um, the comic character is a literal Nazi. Ooh. Uh, he, he literally comes from Germany and akin to like how um, the United States government sort of absorbed the Nazi scientists to right. get their rocket yeah. technology. That was the, that's the same sort of thing. Um, where well, the, you do get a hint that she's like race has some racist ideology. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in that end of that third episode. So yeah, that's, that's interesting. I, I was thinking like, well, she's, she's evil, evil. Like she's uh, not just like Homelander just doesn't care about people, but she might be evil. So yeah, that's what I mean. Like she's where Homelander just thinks of himself as a God over people and therefore sees people as, objects in his way i think she might differ in a way that's like if it stays true to the comics could be like a truly hateful person like in that kind of a sense of like you know doing evil things so that's yeah that's gonna add that when when i saw that in the third episode that immediately made me more interested in this season because i thought the same thing it was a little lackluster in the sense of like other than like you know homelander whenever he's on screen absolutely stealing the screen um and also billy the butcher i think both those actors are like like literally like they are these characters like they were born to play these characters or were born as billy the butcher and homelander and whatever like they it's unfair when when they're on the screen because it's just stolen the scene is stolen so the stormfront angle at the end of the third episode made me more interested overall in the direction of the show, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, she ended up being one of the more interesting characters. I think it's it's cool how they're set up because um, in a way the first season was sort of um, 
Mir, where it was Huey and Homelander as the protagonists, which is you know a weird thing to say considering Homelander's kind of antagonist. But like it's, as far as like the POV goes with him, he was sort of set up of a, as a protagonist, and they're doing that with the second season as well, where they're setting up antagonists for Homelander to overcome. Um, mm-hmm. What's the guy's yeah. name? The guy that was in, that plays the bad guy in Breaking Bad. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know what his name is in the show, but he's the, literally the bad guy in everything nowadays. Yes, I think he's getting typecast. He's also the new bad guy in the f- new Far Cry game as well. So yeah, yeah, and in the Mandalorian. Yeah. So so typecast yeah. is for sure. But um, yeah, he set up pretty early to be um, a man antagonist towards Homelander. And now Stormfront is mm-hmm. where she's sort yeah. of taking his place as that sadistic leader to the team so um and i i like i like how they've introduced this dynamic of the corporation versus the team and like how at first you think oh uh when homelander's hitting back against the ceo um and being like oh yeah well what are you gonna do without the talent and then the ceo is like well we made you guys like you're our product so if you want to walk away that's fine because there's gonna be more people that we can pick out no i liked how he said it's like we're not an entertainment company we're a pharmaceutical company which right, was exactly yeah so it's that it's, hits you that hits you for a second that this show has a lot of parallels with the real world let's just say that too yeah right? it, it feels like a disney thing where it's like disney's entertainment is less so of what makes the money versus things like mm-hmm. disneyland and mm-hmm. um other shit they're not really a movie company they're just no, um that's the trailer for the real product essentially exactly the it, movie. disney and is I, a product yeah i thought the same thing when i was watching the first season that parallel to disney like uh because this is you know this show came out at the top of the superhero hype and and so you know this the whole group of the seven like what they symbolize like in this modern age of superhero media it's like they are the avengers or like they are the the marvel of of today and like what marvel as a company represents and 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 then even beyond that like what's hollywood and what are celebrities like it's like that idea it's they build a world around that idea and and instead of calling them celebrities you call them superheroes and you give them godlike powers and you give them control over people and and billion dollars like it's such an interesting way to visualize real world corruption and real world kind of problems you know like as much as all stories kind of do that like to, to tell that through a superhero story which is supposed to be fun and kitty like and 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 the archetypes are supposed to be so black and white and this show goes and says nah like it's it's not that black and white bro right you know so um they continue what, what was it they they um they ended up going to see that cia lady i forget her name as well fuck sakes mm-hmm. um yeah. and that was completely shocking to me on how they just killed her off like that well that's what the show does great and and i think this first three episodes double down on that that shock factor of just you don't see shit coming and then it just hits you and especially with character deaths right like or just any any kind of like absurd action that takes place on screen there's more of that in in this in the first three episodes i think mm-hmm. than we've seen and then that eventually uh, brings so yeah, the, the cia lady dying just out of nowhere uh her head just fucking explodes uh and even like homelander killing the 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 deaf superhero that i think that's the part that got me the blind in, superhero in the 
sorry, he made him deaf. He made him deaf. He he made him normal, essentially. Yes. He said, now you're just another fucking blind guy, which is oh hilarious. Um, it's It was hilarious, but oh, so nerving at the same time. Yeah. He, every time Homelander's on screen, I am completely unsettled or disgusted, um, which is good because that's just eventually going to lead to um, me being so very happy when he finally gets his. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah, the, awesome. He's like, I feel like the it, perfect it's gonna build towards that. Yeah, he he is the perfect villain. I think this is one of the best. It's hard to say best. This is one of my favorite character villains that I've seen like actually come to life. Uh, you know, it, it seems like one of those things where the actor and the character became so in sync that uh, like the actor the a- actor aspect really just disappears, and you see Homelander, and everything he does is so real and intense and scary, and yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, then when the lady dies, it eventually leads to them calling Billy to come back. And as he said, mm-hmm. I, daddy's home. Um, he he was so unlikable in the first two and a half episodes. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's he's a big dick. Yeah. For sure. He was, um, which was hard for me because like, he was my most loved character in the first season. But mm-hmm. um, eventually he does the right thing um, and sort of brings Huey's trust back and, and you know, sacrifices his own goal to, to help Huey, which is really great character development, I, I find. Um, how he sort of... Um, how he doesn't really want to care about other people and just wants to care about his wife, but, you know, eventually he's going to have to start, you know, um, caring for people around him as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it was just a. Oh yeah, um, I think my favorite thing within the first three episodes was the um, relationship between uh, Kimiko and and uh, her brother, um, which was abruptly ended uh, in the third episode, but um, sets up a good revenge plot for Kimiko going further yeah. and i'm glad she's becoming a more prominent character um she was my girlfriend's actually favorite character from the first season which was surprising but um she sort of latched onto her pretty quickly um she's kind of a tragic character so i think there's uh there's like a lot there there's she became more interesting to me in this season because just to see how she's transformed from the first season like a lot of it's off screen but like no it's huge and and it's huge and and the way the third episode ends you you can see she's gonna have a much bigger role and i think like an arc uh and you know proper kind of a function not not that she didn't have a function in the other season but i'm i'm more excited to see how she's gonna be an active character rather than just probably a passive character yeah more less of a tool for the plot more of an actual character that needs to learn and grow she's gonna have a revenge story she's gonna yeah and that's gonna be cool because she's a badass character yeah, for sure. Um, so the, the seeds are being sown quite well throughout the first three episodes, I find. Um, yeah. The deep story is a little weird. Oh, yeah. Let's get, the deep story actually interests me a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how that goes further, too. I like, I like how he's becoming kind of like a born-again cultist, kind of renouncing his bad ways of being a douchebag you know like it's it's all kind of bullshitty like fake therapy kind of 
kind of pseudo therapy but it, it it's like it it's it's exactly kind of like what we're saying how how the show is meta and and is aware of that gender switch kind of um with stormfront and and the implications of that in the story like the way they're the way they're progressing the deep story of how he's how he was this just uh like the the quote-unquote alpha male with the biggest insecurities about himself and he's now going through this pseudo therapy like i find it funny i find it like uh, a a good kind of a joke on. Uh, yeah it's a wow that was so flat <laughs> but yeah um uh, yeah it's it was really weird i find it's a cool story and i actually it was one that interests me one of the most going into season two was to see how the deep sort of transitions um yeah. considering his fall from grace um but uh it's definitely cool i like how it's separate from the team you know he, his story for now. is now for now yeah it's more of an individual story and like i think just the the idea that he wasn't he's definitely not a hero you know he he's a bad guy but he's going to have a transformative like a transformative story essentially i really he's do think arc, i think he's going to switch sides i really do i think mm. i think he's going to be a good guy at one point um that's yeah see that's where it almost feels like it's leading up to or I feel like they want you to start caring for him for a cer- like for a reason. Obviously, you know, they're giving you more screen time with him alone, and kind of, you know, like they're they're making you feel his vulnerabilities and see his insecurities and get like a deeper understanding for this guy, and still like yeah, still understand that he's an asshole or an asshole of a character. But for some reason, they want you to feel compassionate towards him at the same time. I I still think he can be redeemed um despite yeah. his gross actions in the first season um i still think there's a character there that can turn and i think it would be um you know the wrestling term is face turn when a good guy or when a bad guy becomes good um yeah it, it'd be fun to see his face turn moment if it ever comes um i don't know how big you were into game of thrones um not really towards the end yeah before it turned to shit um but uh I wouldn't say as deep or as complicated as a Jamie Lannister character, but um, you know that's that's proof enough for me where mm-hmm. the biggest asshole can be someone who I really root for. Yeah, yeah no, he's got he's pretty funny too. His character is pretty funny. Like he's got, he's got that like uh, that care for the animals thing, and then somehow he always leads the animals to death. Yeah, it's I, it's, I find, it's, I find it's, it's it's the running gag that is so funny. yeah. Um, and and just he stands there like he's Aquaman, like he's he's the full like cliche superhero trope, but and it goes wrong every single time. Like I, that's this show is just aware of itself in the best of ways. You know, it's just it's constantly poking fun at itself, or not at itself, but it's poking fun at the ideas it's conveying. Like yeah, you you he, know you've seen this before. He's definitely the funniest. We're gonna poke fun at he's it. definitely the funniest uh, out of yeah. Maybe Billy's, you know, has come good comedic chops Billy's as well. definitely oh for sure but yeah that again like he's like homelander in that way billy where it, he he just becomes uh like the presence on the screen like the actor disappears and i don't know if it's something with the accent or you know carl urban the actor is just really damn good in that well he's even got his but, own catchphrase now which i love to hear what's his catchphrase again diabolical oh yeah <laughs> 
right on yeah it's it was great um but yeah the deep um i don't think my i I binged the first season with my girlfriend not too long ago because she never watched it and i wanted her to watch it and Mm -hmm. she couldn't stop laughing at him because you know he's just the perfect pretty dummy you know what i mean yeah Um, not really sure what else to much you know to go into only the first three episodes um yeah it's it's been a short like i'm just gonna say like as the season's over we just have three episodes so far and yeah i'm i think at the note what it left off it's it was a good hook i think like to see where where the story can go from here um i was actually on set for one of the days they shot this show in Toronto and I got to see Homelander and Queen Maeve like in person and that was pretty cool yeah um, he sent me pictures it's pretty yeah yeah and how cool did the suit look right like it, all practical costume and, and like really looks like a superhero kind of a suit up close and personal it's amazing um, but yeah I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how or where the, where this season goes um everything i saw from when i went to that set visit one day it was like a huge kind of outdoor set everything kind of like practically there like lots of destruction lots of rubble kind of it was weird it was like this the location was a a parking lot or it was it wasn't it was at a parking lot but they transformed it into um uh like a a street that was just in destruction so that was pretty cool to see yeah um and, how many episodes yeah. were in the first season do you remember uh let me just check right here I, I got it pulled up on me on my google there was one two three four five six seven okay okay good um season two is the same episode count i thought it it, it had less but it doesn't so um so still plenty of content to get through which is yeah really good um yeah, eight episodes is like pretty much the norm now. Mm-hmm. It seems. Yeah, and IMDb sort of saying the same thing we are, where it's like um, the first two episodes have like an eight point something rating, whereas the last episode is like a nine point four rating, like the third episode. So um, they really did hook us with the third episode. Um, it seems. Yeah, and it, everyone seems to agree with that. Um, where everything's sort of set up to clash within the the rest of the season, which is really nice. Yeah. It definitely felt like a it felt like a jumping off or like a, a jumping off point for the f- season to actually kick off. Where I think like I, f- I think the reason these the first two episodes might felt lackluster is because it felt like catching up with the characters a little bit and not really in the best of ways. It was like Yeah. A bit slow paced in how like we, we kinda wanted to get in it, like get in the situation, but it was still kind of dealing with the death of uh um the old CEO of Vlad, I forgot her name. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, sort of things like that, dealing with the family. And I, I did like those scenes, actually, if we want to talk about that real quick. The um, the Superboy, the young Homelander son, Homelander Jr., who's a, a new face in the show. Yeah, it's... um, no, oh, I, uh, I have a feeling those scenes are just going to get ugly, man. I'm just so scared, you know? Oh, yeah, you're you're actually worried, eh? Like, that's that's interesting. Because I, 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 you know Homelander as a character, so... Well, uh, it was just established in was it the last episode there that um, Homelander, you know, his whole goal is to get out the dormant powers in his son, 
yeah. and he just realized he can reach that goal by hurting Becca. So, um, I don't know, man. I, I, I have a feeling that I'm going to really fucking hate Homelander yeah. throughout this season. I just feel Oof. like he's going to do some absolute heinous shit to try to, you know, as we've already seen that he does heinous shit to, to forward oh, his for goal. Sure. So, um, and if, if, if what I feel about the season is true, which is that they're doubling down on all of that, uh, and there's going to be something worse than the plane sequence from the first season, then oh, yeah, you're right. Fuck that, fuck. that scene gave me nightmares, man. I'm not, I'm so, I'm, I'm legit terrified of, of what's going on. And you know what, like, again, that just such a perfect villain in terms of, you know, he can be funny, he can be terrifying, um, just the perfect villain you want to root against. Um, yeah. And it's a hard line to walk, you know, um, and again, I'll use like wrestling as a, as a sort of, um, no, it's a good comparison. Yeah. Too, wrestling is actually a really good comparison, especially because modern wrestling. It's like, yeah. Um, the whole idea that there's like the, the, the persona, there's like the character that you show the in ring character, but then there's the real nature of it all, the backstage of it all. Uh, the show is definitely like superhero wrestling a good good analogy yeah um but there's a fine line to walk especially with the modern wrestling um when you're a heel um the audience is so self-aware so heel being a bad guy that's wrestling lingo sorry um the audience is obviously self-aware that these are characters and if they enjoy the heel character they'll end up cheering sometimes which was really frustrating to watch sometimes because um, I'd find myself cheering for the bad guy because the bad guy was just a cooler character than the good guy. But um, yeah. if pitted up against a nice face, which is a good guy, um, then you can find a reason to boo. Um, and if it weren't for Billy and the boys being, you know, such likable bunch of characters, a ragtag group of characters, then um, then I couldn't find myself rooting against Homelander. But I'm glad that that, that exists. So... Um. Yeah, I'm super excited for the rest of the season. Hmm. I mean, that's pretty much it. I think for for the first three episodes that we got right now. But um, I think I think we're all on board for this season. And and uh, how how should we keep up with this show? I feel like we should we should come back to this show every now and then. Uh, talk about it. Do you want to do every episode or every now and then? Yeah, we can we can we can like in our weekly catch-up because this is going to be a weekly release thing we can just talk about it absolutely yeah uh but to our listeners let us know if this is a show you're into if you've been watching it or uh, just kind of piquing your interest now and you're going to check it out let us know um as we said this is we're three episodes deep in it right now of the second season but a lot more episodes to come and really enjoyable show really good uh, it's a good like community show I think kind of like in the same way Game of Thrones is like and I think the the, the way this second season plays out uh, with the weekly episode drops it's gonna be cool to kind of like watch it and then talk to each other afterwards and try and like decompress each episode individually yeah so that'll be cool to talk about in our episode especially now as the gears are turning and the chess places are placed on the board and in proper yeah. order so um, yeah we'll be coming at it weekly yeah with every episode all right yeah shane you want to give us our outro you, you've been killing the outros lately oh yeah sure um so yeah uh make sure you follow us 
on Instagram at mythicmorons. We post updates on what we're watching, what we're going to watch, things you can sort of tag along with, interact with. We'd love to hear feedback from you. Um, make sure to leave a rating on whatever podcast thing you're using, whether that be Spotify, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. Um, it actually really helps a lot. It helps with exposure. Um, and we just really appreciate you guys listening. So this is me signing off. Thank you, thank you guys, and see you in the next one.